Hello and welcome to the Lorna Marie Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk all things fitness, health, mindset and lifestyle to help you become fitter, healthier and happier. I help busy people who lack time, motivation and self-belief to look and feel great again. If you want to work with me, head over to lornamariefitness.co.uk, but for now, enjoy this episode. Now, before we begin today's live, thank you all so much for your good luck and well wishes for the London Marathon this weekend. I am absolutely pooping my pants, but do you know what? I always say this and I stand by it. If you don't challenge yourself, then you don't change. And I truly believe that you learn a lot about yourself in a challenge. So I am actually really excited to do this as well. Nervous and excited. And I was just listening to, hey Anna, I was just listening to a podcast. It was a high performance podcast. Don't know if any of you listen to it. It's really good. And they were talking, they just mentioned a little quote at the end. And they said, if you think you can't, then you definitely won't. And if you think you can, well, then you might. And I really think that applies to everything. You know, whether you're on the two-week course, a six-week course, or you're a squatty and you're wanting to get into good routines with your fitness, or maybe you've got a challenge coming up. Maybe you're doing the May challenge that's coming. That's going to be epic. I'll, I'll talk to you more about that in a sec. Or maybe, you know, you sign yourself up for your first 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, whatever it might be. If you tell yourself you can't do something, you are literally putting a block in there for yourself and you won't be able to do it. But if you tell yourself, do you know what? I could do this and I'm going to go and give it a really good go, then you might. So don't give up before you started and say if you've quote unquote fallen off the wagon, if you tell yourself, this is something that I always do, I'm not going to be able to motivate myself, blah, 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 then yeah, you never will. But if you tell yourself, okay, this is where I'm right now, but do you know what? pick yourself back up again and get on with it, then you stand a chance or you will. You will get into good routines. You will achieve whatever you want to do. So you just got to have a bit of self-belief. Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent, wasn't it? (laughs) Two other notices before we start the questions, gang. Notice number one, as I just mentioned, the May step challenge is coming up. Get yourself opted in for that. The opt-ins are on this Facebook group and they're also on your emails. We are walking to Rome. We'll be allocating your teams next weekend. It's going to be really good and really motivating just to get the activity up, get the steps up. So you can include your steps in class, outside of class, you know, mumbling around the house, mumbling around, wandering around the house, or, you know, basically wherever, just your steps in general count, which is great. So get yourself signed up for that. And the shop has opened today. There's some really, really nice stuff on there. You've got the racer top, which is basically, it's almost like a workout top come jacket. It's definitely a workout top, but it's really, really cool. And it's got a little um, tie up, there's, by the way, I'm really bad at fashion explanations, um, descriptions. I'm terrible. I'm so, I'm so bad at it, but these clothes are really nice and handpicked by yours truly, chosen by yours truly. So yeah, do get yourself on there. Have a little look around and you've got the nice two pieces on there as well and you can get them on all different colours. So there, they're my little notices from today. And guess what, by the way, going back to the, um, thank you so much for your, your support and your well wishes with the half half oh no it's not a half (laughs) it's a full with the full marathon we've raised 
nearly 2050 pounds like oh my goodness that's insane isn't it and it's all going towards the richard whitehead foundation who help disabled children adults and disadvantaged people get into sport and get into fitness so yeah basically well done you guys and thank you so much right should we get into the questions we've got some fabulous questions so we're going to be talking all things sleep, exercising when you're ill, cravings, um, when you're perimenopausal, when you're getting sweet cravings. We'll be talking about the plank. We'll be talking about DOMS, talking about whether to eat before a workout or not. We'll be talking about neck ache when you're doing ab work and also advice on interval running for in terms of weight loss. Anyway, that was the question. So let's go from the top. Question number one. I'd love to get your ideas for staying asleep or how to get back to sleep um, easier when you wake up during the night. Now, I just want you to know that problems with sleep and waking up during the night are completely normal. And a lot of people tend to struggle with this throughout their life and some people go through phases with it. And particularly waking up in the night, a lot of people see it as a really big problem, but it's actually quite normal. And what is most important and researchers back this is your sleep quality over quantity obviously you know putting it into into context like you do need enough sleep as well but quality is more important than quantity all you want to do here is make sure you're controlling the controllables so get yourself pen and paper and make sure you are doing the following you need consistency that is the best way to get good sleep going to bed at the same time and getting up at the same time every day, even at the weekends. A lot of people are really consistent during the week. So because that might be because of work or maybe because of their partner's work or whatever. And then come the weekend, we think, oh, do you know what? We'll just watch another episode on Netflix or we'll have a lie-in. Yeah, we'll have a really nice lie-in tomorrow. Catch up on some sleep. And all that does is essentially gives you jet lag and completely throws your sleep routine out. So if you're somebody who's struggling with your sleep or you're waking up in the night and actually you're finding that a bit of a problem, make sure you've got consistent sleep. Secondly, is your wind down routine. Do you have a proper wind down routine? So maybe that's limiting screen time. You're turning off any... (laughs) Sorry, if you can hear any barking right now. My mum is just dropping Harvey off. (laughs) In fact... She's knocking on the door right now. I think I've left the key in. Everyone, give me 30 seconds. I'll edit this out, the podcast as well. Give me 30 seconds. gosh I'm back <laughs> that was funny I was like well I'm in the middle of the live Q&A like, oh sorry <laughs> just dropping Harvey back Woo. okay so <laughs> wind down routine are you turning screens off are you making sure you've done something relaxing before you go to bed you know it might be reading it might be having a bath it might be doing a bit of mindfulness work it might be a bit of journaling Whatever it might be, are you doing that? 
Another thing is if you're lying in bed and you can't sleep or you've woken up and you can't go back to sleep, 20 minute rule. If you're not back to sleep within 20 minutes, let's say, obviously don't clock watch the whole time. Be like, has it been 20 minutes yet? Because that is not helpful. But if you haven't been back to sleep, just get up and go and do something relaxing. So maybe go and have a bit of a stretch, go and do some breath work, take yourself out of your bedroom, take yourself out of that scenario. Because the problem is if you struggle with sleep, you then start to associate the room and your bed and that position with not being able to sleep. So take yourself out, go do something that will help you wind down and then come back. Limit your alcohol and your caffeine intake. If you do have a few coffees, you know, maybe say, okay, as soon as it hits midday, I'm not going to have anything, any more caffeine. I'm going to switch to decaf. Or you could switch to decaf completely. Obviously, if you're having, say, four coffees a day, I wouldn't then say, you know, go cold turkey. But maybe just try and have a coffee earlier on in the day, have less time, um, have, sorry, have more time between that last coffee and when you go to bed because the caffeine will still be in your system. So give yourself time to get, let your body get it out of the system and help yourself wind down. And alcohol can be a really bad sleep disturber. So you might find that you go to sleep um, really, really quickly when you have alcohol, but you find actually that your sleep is disturbed quite often. You've got a higher resting heart rate, heart rate variability is lower. Um, meaning your body is basically recovering from having that alcohol. So, you know, just have a, have a little think about that. Also, doing something relaxing before you go to bed, going back to that, we have bedtime yoga, try it out. We've also got meditation, try that out. Try breath workout and just make sure that you're not having a big meal too close to bed because essentially you go to bed and your body's trying to digest the food. So it's trying to work when you're also trying to tell it that it needs to wind down and go to sleep. So leave, say, at least three or four hours between going to bed and having a big meal. If you were somebody who, you know, gets really, really hungry during the night, you could say, have something small, you know, an hour before you go to bed, like a banana or something like that. But let your body digest. When you wake up, in the middle of the night, remember you've got that that 20 minute rule, just get yourself out of that place, practice relaxation techniques, know that it's okay, don't get stressed about it, it's normal, getting stressed will just make things worse, but you're fine, and avoid any bright lights, so if you wake up and then look straight at your phone, that's possibly one of the worst things you can do, it's just going to wake you up, and probably give you a bit of a dopamine hit as well, if you're scrolling through say Instagram or Facebook, when really you want to be going to sleep. Control the controllables, track it all, track when you're waking up, track what kind of sleep you had and what you did the day before or the night before, because then you can start to work out, you know, what's actually working for you and what isn't working for you. Journal everything. I hope that's useful. Okay, question number two. When you're not feeling well, for example, head cold or bunged up nose, and you're mentally wanting to exercise to your norm, but physically you're not firing on all cylinders, what do you recommend? So exercising when you're ill, your priority when you're ill is recovery and rest. But I understand that you probably want to be doing something, you know, particularly if you are so used to being so active and you're doing several classes a week, going from that to actually forcing yourself not to do anything might kind of send you a little bit crazy. It obviously depends on how ill you are. There are some cases where you just need to say no 
I need rest and you need to be strict with yourself to allow yourself to get better faster so you can get back quicker as well. Because if you go back too soon, your body isn't firing on all cylinders and you might actually make yourself worse and you're going to prolong your illness. However, if you're feeling a little bit meh, a bit under weather, maybe you've got a bit of a cold, so your energy's not quite all there, but you know you're kind of you're all right. We all kind of know that feeling, right? It's not on your chest, they say. Anything neck above is all right. <laughs> Anything on your chest, you need to, yeah, definitely, maybe rest. Just reduce the intensity. You could do your classes, really drop the intensity. Maybe instead of going to an aerobics or a combat or a hit, maybe that day you go to a yoga or a Pilates or you go to a power walking, you drop the intensity. You do something different. Stay really, really hydrated and nourish your body. Your body's going to need it. Give it a hand, give it help. And also give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to relax and to rest and to get better. A lot of people think, oh, I'm not very well and it's ruined my journey. It hasn't. And like health and well-being is so much more than just fitness. And actually, you're doing your body a disservice by you know, thrashing out a workout when you're really not well. You need to recover, rest, listen to your body and just adapt. Yeah, it, it just depends, I suppose. It depends on how bad you're feeling. Question number three, I'm perimenopausal and I crave sweet things. How do I reduce my sweet intake? So this could be useful for anyone, whether you're perimenopausal or not. When you find, when you hit the perimenopausal stage, menopausal stage, your hormones are up and down and all over the place. So quite often, it really can cause sweet cravings. So what you need to do is take a step back and think, okay, what's going on here right now? Is it my hormones? Or use the HALT technique. Is it because I'm hungry? Is it because I am, A stands for angry, but you can use it as feeling a little bit emotional? or really stressed? Is it because I'm feeling lonely or bored? Or is it because I'm tired and I'm just craving something sweet because I need some quick energy because actually I'm feeling really tired? Is it one of those things? So it's the whole first put a pause in it. So just say stop to yourself, put a pause and think what is going on here? And when you do that, you're actually putting yourself back in the driver's seat. You have the power to choose always. So now you choose, do I act on that or do I not? So I'm craving something really sweet. It's because, you know what, last night I had a really bad night's sleep and actually I probably don't need that sweet thing, but I'm just craving it because willpower's down and actually I'm feeling tired. Okay, it's because I'm feeling tired. What do I actually need to do? Do I need to go and have that sweet thing or do I need to make sure I get an earlier night tonight and maybe just go and have a healthy snack if I'm feeling a little bit hungry? weigh it all up and also allow yourself a little bit of something sweet we follow the 70 30 rule so 70 percent of stuff that's going to be nourishing for your body and 30 percent a little bit of what you want because when you tell yourself you can't have something it becomes this big red button which i'll come on to later so and then it turns into a bit of an all or nothing you don't allow yourself to have it and that's all you can think about and then actually when you do have it you end up going overboard and then feel really rubbish about it so you don't let yourself have it again so that's kind of what's going on here. Here are a few tips. Number one, make sure you're fully hydrated. 
Sometimes we're craving because we're not actually hydrated enough. Number two, making sure you've got a balanced diet. You've got everything your body needs in your diet. And make sure you're managing your sugar spikes and dips properly as well. So you're having, you know, regular meals. You're not skipping meals. Make sure you're getting enough rest and sleep. And making sure you're managing your stress well too. Because quite often when we're feeling stress, and that might be a cause of, you know, all the hormonal fluctuations as well. When you're feeling stress, you'll want to crave. You want to crave sweet things. You want to crave things. Um, you know, you go into a bit of a fight or flight mode. So are you managing your stress? And one final thing to try is phytoestrogens. And these are plants, foods that basically mimic what estrogen does in your body. So if you just Google phytoestrogens, there's massive long lists of them. But some include chickpeas, flax seeds, berries, peaches, oats, barley, tofu, tempeh, and so many more. But they're just a few examples and they mimic what um, estrogen actually does in your body. So it's always worth a try. Well, I hope that was useful. Question number four. Um, Help with aching muscles or arms after workouts. I suppose joints are softer after pregnancy. Let's just talk about aching muscles in general first. If you have done something a bit more intense than you normally would, or if you've done something completely different or new, you will find that your muscles might ache. And it's called DOMS. It's delayed onset muscle soreness. And it usually happens between about 24 to 72 hours after said workout. It's completely normal. It's basically your body has little micro tears in the muscles and it's your body knitting them back together. (laughs) I know that sounds really awful, but it's normal and it's how we get stronger. So it's nothing to be worried about, but what you do need to do is support your body in the repairing process. To do that, hydration, rest and sleep, that is where your body really, really does work. It's a growth hormone. It really does work to knit everything back together, repair itself, and giving your body enough protein as well so for your muscles. So there are things that you can do, you can put into your body. Other things that can help, foam rolling, massages, nice, relaxing, warm bath, or sometimes ice, anything anti-inflammatory can really help, you know, if you really are finding it tough. But I would say one of the best things you can do is if you have DOMS really bad, really aching, say aching arms, for example, how about doing, you know, if you really want to do a workout the next day, do a workout that doesn't use the arms, do something focusing on the legs or have a rest day allow your body to adjust. Now I know just that last little bit there, I suppose joints are softer in pregnancy. So joints aren't really softer. What happens during pregnancy is our body releases a hormone called relaxin and it kind of, well, sort of does what it says on the tin. It makes your joints, your ligaments lax. Well, your ligaments lax. So what your body is trying to do is allow your joints, ligaments to relax, to make way for a baby. But it doesn't just do it for your pelvic area. It does it for your whole body. (laughs) And obviously that's not very useful when it's happening in the arms. So your joints are really unstable at this point. So it's really important to say avoid things like combat because the instability in your joints, hips, lower back, 
arms, elbows. So you just got to be careful there because there's a higher risk of injury. But just take your time listening to your body and go on the pre and postnatal area as well because that will hopefully really, really help. Okay, next question. Ooh, we're getting through these. Question number five. If you work out first thing in the morning, the only way I get it done, is it better, that's not me by the way, this is <laughs> Vicky who commented, is it better to eat before or after? Food seems to slow me down, but, but if I eat afterwards, I find that I've got no energy, even after I've eaten. So this really depends. It depends on personal preference. Some people say that if they eat before a workout, they feel really sick or they feel really sluggish and just doesn't feel right, doesn't sit well with them. Some people say if they don't eat before a workout, they just have no energy and they feel like they can't give anything to the workout, so they're not getting as much out of it. So it really depends. And it also depends on the type of exercise you're going to be doing. Are you going to be doing something that's really intense or are you going to be doing something that is going to last a long time? If you are, then yeah, you probably should eat before. If you're going to do something really quick, um, a fasted workout might be fine. It might be okay or something that's really low intensity. What I would do is try both and track it, which it sounds like you've already done. And I would try different things. It might be a case of, you know, having a little mess around with the types of foods, and the timings of those foods. You could try having a banana and then doing your workout 45 minutes an hour later. You could try having a breakfast like porridge and doing your workout a couple of hours later. Or you could try it the other way around. You know, I would, I would really just track it. Try different things and track it and see how you get on and see how you feel. And try it for a while as well. So, okay, this week I'm gonna try X. Next week I'm gonna try X. But good, good examples of food to have before if you did want to have something small to give you a little bit of energy. You could even have half your breakfast, for example. But good things before would be fruit, like banana, uh, oats. Obviously, I wouldn't have a massive bowl of oats and then go and work out half an hour later. Probably wouldn't feel brilliant. <laughs> give a bit more time for that one. Toast is something that's quite quick and easily digestible as well that you can have before a workout. Though, it really depends. Have an experiment, a few things, and let me know how you get on. Let me know if you need any ideas or any help on that. Question number six. Why does my neck ache when I'm doing ab work? Am I doing anything wrong, or is it because my abs are weak? It could be a weakness in the abs. It could be a weakness in the abs, so your neck is overcompensating. It could be form. When we're doing a crunch, for example, fingers are temples, you tuck your chin in as much as possible and you really engage the abs, press the abs or press the back, sorry, into the floor. So I'm just trying to picture it now. I know I'm sat up. Just try and picture it in your head. Tuck the chin in loads. Look towards your thighs. Push the lower back into the ground. Engage the abs and then crunch. And that should take some of the pressure out of the neck. It could also be because you haven't quite built up the muscles in the neck area. I mean, we don't really do much to, to work the neck muscles. So it could just be a case of your body getting used to it. You know, your neck is now trying to hold up your head while you're doing a crunch and lower it down in a smooth way, smooth and controlled way. It will put a lot of pressure into the neck muscles. So you might find that aching because your neck muscles aren't as strong. 
I wouldn't worry about it too much. I'll just make sure you're doing proper form. And if you really do feel it in your neck, why not put one hand behind your head just to support it? Make sure that's not removing all the work from the abs. Make sure you're still engaging your abs properly while you're doing it. I would just keep keep going with it. Focus on form and focus on practicing and it will, it will get easier. I promise it will. <laughs> Next, how to curb cravings like the ones you just can't stop thinking about and then you cave. So many, so many things. And similar to the one before, actually, I would always say, okay, what is it that you're craving? Are you craving it because you've told yourself that you can't have it? So all of a sudden you've told yourself, I can't have that, let's say, piece of cake or chocolate bar or whatever it might be. I'm not allowed that. All of a sudden, psychology tells us we want it more. Then it becomes the big red button that you're not allowed to touch, that all you want to do is touch until the point where you just cave because it just becomes too much. So why not practice having a bit of it, choosing your indulgences and eating it mindfully and actually focusing on enjoying the food and actually enjoying all your food, even the foods that you might think are more quote unquote boring, you know, your nourishing foods, thinking about where they've come from, what they smell like, what it tastes like, chewing it properly and thinking of the goodness that you're putting into your body. And then when you're having the things that you crave, enjoy it. Enjoy your little indulgences that you have as well. You're allowed a little bit of everything, you know? 70% nourishing, 30% a little bit of what you want. So are you doing that first of all? Secondly, is to ride the wave. You could sit and you could ride that craving out. There'll be a point where the craving peaks and you really, really want it. You really, really want a cave. You ride that wave out and that craving will go. Maybe just have a sip of water. Maybe go make yourself a cup of tea. Do something else. Go on a walk. Get a shower. Do something else and ride that craving out. Or you could just sit there with it and think, I'm really craving that. I've got two options. I act on it or I don't. The more you ride these things out, the easier it gets just know that. Um, Yes, going back to what I spoke about before, sugar spikes and dips. Are you having regular balanced meals? Are you managing your sugar well? Because if you're not, then the cravings will feel worse as well. You will crave these things even more because your body will just want, want that energy. Another one is water. Another one, which I'm not too sure about, but does work for some people, is just getting it out of the house completely. Don't buy it in. I'm not sure if that's in the long term a really balanced way to live. Some people, some people enjoy that. Some people want to do that. But I don't know if that's just basically an extended big red button thing. But hey, it works for some people. So if you think that worked for you, do it. And one final thing is you could make it harder to get in your house. If you have the things that you crave all the time out on the kitchen surface or on the dining table or in the cupboard that's really easy to get to, chances are you'll cave in way easier than if you put it in a jar at the back of a cupboard where you have to get a little stepladder out to go and get it. And by the way, the stepladder's in the garage. (laughs) You're probably not going to cave or cave as often anyway. Um, But that's not the point. Um, (laughs) But you could, you could try doing things like that 
And it's almost like riding the wave out a little bit. And it makes you think, it makes you pause. Do I really want that? Is that the indulgence that I'm going to have today? Am I going to you know, indulge in that, enjoy it, have that? Or do you know what? Have I already had an indul- indulgence several times today? I don't need that, but I'm just craving it. Yeah, I hope there's some useful tips there. Let me know how you get on. Next up. So, oh, the next one's the plank. But I'm going to come back to that one because I'm going to um, draw a little diagram. <laughs> I could, oh, I could, I could draw a diagram. I can actually show you. <laughs> so the last question was, do you have any advice on interval running for weight loss? Now, interval training, interval running is where you go hard for so many seconds, then you have a rest. You go hard for so many seconds, you have a rest. It's like hit training. It was a real big buzzword a few years ago. And everyone said, oh yeah, do hit training because it'll help you lose weight so much more and blah, blah, blah. It's not true. Um, but what is true is it's a really time efficient way to get a good workout in. So you could get, say, just as good a workout in 20 minute hit as you would for 40 minute steady state, for example. So if you or somebody doesn't have much time, it's a really time efficient way to improve your fitness and, um, yeah, to do a little intense burst, get your workouts in. It may also help with overeating, and that's a more psychological one, because if you think I've done a really hard workout, as opposed to, you know, I've done a really hard workout, I've done something really good, and it was a short amount of time, a lot of people think, oh, okay, I don't want to go and ruin that with having a piece of cake when it's a 20-minute workout. Whereas if you think I've done, I don't know, an hour and a half's workout, I've burnt loads of calories and so I can eat X, Y, Z, which is what a lot of people do and try and eat the calories back, which is, by the way, not a great way to think about exercise at all. We exercise for longevity, we exercise for our health, but a lot of people do that, so it may help with overeating. It just depends on your mindset, really, on that one. Um, it really just depends. In terms of for weight loss, I would say do what you've got time for and do what you enjoy. But the weight loss side of things is going to come more from your diet than exercise. If you try and out-train your diet or you train to burn calories, you end up being a bit of a hamster on a wheel. Um, you almost spin your wheels a little bit, to be honest. So I would do exercise to improve your muscle strength, to improve your heart health, to feel good, to feel good in yourself. But then in terms of the weight loss side, you want to be focusing more on the food and that's nourishing your body, obviously putting yourself into a calorie deficit, but not so much a deficit that you can't maintain it. So just a small deficit and remember that it's a marathon and not a sprint. We want you to achieve long-term results in the squad. Absolutely. Always. Alrighty. Last question. This is it. I never ever feel it in my stomach when I do the plank. I'm doing the full version, and when I've done it in front of instructors, they say it looks right. Although sometimes they've told me to lift or lower my bum. I can't remember which one. I have an extremely weak lower back. Is it to do with this? I would say if you are not feeling the plank, your form probably is out. And if you want to make it harder, I can also show you ways of making it harder. <laughs> this is where I'm going to come to my whiteboard and I'll try and explain it the best I can if you're listening to this as well. Just a moment, I'm just going to grab the whiteboard, pull it in. 
By the way, I am not an art graduate <laughs> at all. And you'll soon find out. This is a plank. Oh my gosh, this is really bad. Um, <laughs> I might actually have to get on the floor and show you. Essentially, <laughs> do you know what? I think I'm going to have to get on the floor and show you because that is, that's a terrible, that is a terrible drawing. Right, that is not happening. Okay. And this is where you find that I've been sat down and I'm in my worktop and my jogging bottoms. Sorry, everybody. Come with me. We're going on the floor. I'm just going to have to move my setup. If you're listening to this on the podcast, by the way, it's going to sound really weird. This is what we do. Okay. You are now on the floor. Can you see that? Okay. Can you see me? There. Hi! <laughs> this is hilarious. So, good plank form. Let's talk about it. Actually, get on the floor with me. Come on down. We're going to lie on our tummies. Lie down on your tummy. From here, put your elbows underneath your shoulders. Forearms are in the ground. So we're going to do a forearm plank also known as a hover, a low plank, whatever you want to call it. Take your knees wider than your hips. So here we can agree, my hips are on the floor, my tummy's on the floor, my knees are wider than my hips. And from here, I'm going to take a big breath out and come up. Lifting my bottom out of the floor. We want to try and get the back in a long slope. This is if you're on your forearms here. Now you can choose to lift your knees out of the floor, squeeze your bottom, straighten out the back of the legs. If you cannot squeeze your butt cheeks, it is probably because your bottom is in the air. If your bottom is in the air, you're not really going to feel this. If your bottom is too low, you're going to cause a lot of pain in your lower back. So that is going to feel nasty after a while. Now let's go onto the hands. Same sort of thing, but now we're just in a high plank or a plank or a high push-up, whatever you want to call it. Wrist below shoulders, spread out your fingers. Lengthen your legs and try and get your hips pretty much in line with your shoulders. Pushing out of the shoulder blades, or you might want to aim for that gradual, gradual slope. And we hold it there, we squeeze the thighs, we squeeze the bottom. Now, I just want to add, you will feel a plank in the top of your back. You will feel it in your arms. You'll feel it in your core. It's a really good exercise for the whole body. You are working so many muscles when you do a plank. My face looks really red down here right now. I think it's because I'm under the table and it's got that little red tint. And it could possibly be because my face is red as well. Could be both. <laughs> That is how you get into a good plank though. The chances are if you're not feeling it on your abs, you could be, you could have your bottom in the air. And if it is causing any pain for your lower back, then your bottom could be too low. So just do it in front of a mirror and practice and practice and practice until the point where subconsciously you can just get straight into that good position. But anyway, I hope this has been really useful, everybody. Have you enjoyed it? 
I'm sorry though. We had my mum come in dropping Harvey off. You've had to get down on the floor with me, but you know, bit of light entertainment and all that. So I will see you all next week. By the way, next week's timetable is absolutely epic. I hope you love it. We've got uh, an achievement, special achievement for coming to the live class as well. Make sure you get yourself on the May challenge, everyone. It's going to be brilliant. And I will see you in class on Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And if you're on the replay, make sure you put hashtag replay so I know you've seen it. Bye.